Hello and welcome to the Giant Contraband Robot Podcast. I'm your host, Desi Robinson, and on this episode and future others, you may hear me say off the wall artist podcast or some variation. So to not get sued in the near future, I retitled the podcast. So sit back and relax and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. back to the fourth and for this season's um, episode, Dominguez Hills Off the Wall podcast with my producer, mentor, Devin Suna. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, it was like an obligation to have you on. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the point of the podcast um, for the listeners and we are being Devin already knows is for you the audience to learn more about students who get into art and learn more about artists when I'm lucky enough to have them on. I'm lucky enough to have a professor who's out there within in the industry and who's um, imparting his knowledge onto us out here and hopefully give you um, listeners um, more much needed information, um, his wisdom, if you will. Uh, so we're just gonna start off with some personal questions. Um, were both your parents artists, or it was just like you started yourself? Like you just like you just got into it yourself? Um, well, both of my parents they both studied art. My mom um, went to Cal State LA, and she studied studio art there. And my father, he's an artist, practicing artist, and he went to Otis for a short time. So, yeah, I grew up around it. It's definitely a, a family thing. Um, was encouraged um, when you start picking up. Was encouraged you to like to follow it yourself, or is like they was they, they let you do what you wanted to. Um, yeah, they locked me in a room with a pencil and a pen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, they, they yeah, they really always kind of wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, I think they definitely exposed me to a lot of things that they knew and a lot of things they knew were things in music and in art um, things that they were passionate about things that they really loved you know they kind of put me around that so when I was a little kid I used to like um, take classes at Barnsdale Park up at the LA Municipal Art Gallery Um, I remember taking my first art class there when I was a little kid and um, also I remember sitting in front of this big David Hockney painting um, at LACMA. So, yeah, I was around it, definitely. But I I don't know if they... I, actually, I could tell you for sure. Like, my mom told me later on when I was older, like, when she saw my first painting I did in beginning painting at Cal State Long Beach, mm-hmm. you know, I came home, like, you know, my first semester of college, all excited, like, oh, this is the painting I did. And she, you know, smiled and was very encouraging. But years later, after kind of things did work out for me in art, she told me that when I showed her that painting, she was, like, petrified. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because she said that I reminded her of a painting that she had done when she was a freshman at Cal State LA, and she was no longer doing um, painting and drawing anymore. So she kind of saw herself of me at that moment. But, uh, 
why is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Like she felt like um, your skill wasn't like your skill set wasn't there or something like that. No, I don't think it had anything to do with skill. I think it was just like she had gone to school for art at Cal State LA and she graduated and she always told me that she studied art and she did art because she was good at it but she wasn't really necessarily that passionate about making it herself so I think it was kind of scary for her to see like that I was good at it too um and it was for a similar reason you know she did it but but also I think she was worried like oh will he be passionate about it will he keep pursuing it you know when he graduates because those are the things that were a lot more difficult for my mother you know but yeah um so piggyback off of that for you being as long as a professor as you have do you see the passion in students everyone that you see or you, you see like the lack of passion you try to like the try to cope them on you see that passion to keep them further going or just telling like to go on a different career path when you see like you just don't see it in them to keep on going um, well, I think, you know, the thing I see with students is they are really passionate about making art, I think, but also at the same time, um, I think I, it's definitely a scary path to go into, you know, I think just in general these days, it's a lot, it's not like the 70s when you went to school, you know, for college, you studied something and you ended up um, potentially doing that thing right away when you graduated. Now. I think any career, even if you go to law school, it's very difficult to be practice law right when you graduate, you know, so, yeah, yeah so I think it, um, I see a lot of that, you know, um, students having a lot of doubt and fears about, but, um, what they're going to do after they graduate, but I think that's part for the course, so I feel like that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? Yeah, um, so in terms of school for yourself, um, School for us now is way different for yourself in terms of art school. Um, the way how I see it, it's a lot more educational while we see art as like a therapeutic kind of sense. Talking with students this semester, they feel like the weight is lifted off of them when they come to their art class as opposed to going to their educational heavy class. Was it the similar kind of experience for you when you was going to school or just like it was just totally different from what we're experiencing now. Uh, I mean, I think I think what you're trying to say is like the academic classes, yeah. like math, science. Th- those are very stressful for art students, and then the art classes are really like fun and therapeutic and yeah. happy. You know, um, I mean, honestly, I, I think that um, you know I went to Cal State Long Beach and I started there in 1997 and I was there for almost six years as a full-time student straight from high school it took a really long time for me to graduate and it wasn't for a lack of effort or um, the amount of classes I took every semester I was always a full-time student and you know also worked a a job at Sport Chalet selling fishing tackle at the same time you know so I was always definitely like working hard and hustling but the um the program there is different than our program in the sense that it's very discipline specific so like you know you focus on painting and drawing or you focus on sculpture or you focus on um, ceramics or photography you know and maybe you take one or two drawing or painting classes if you're a photo major but um, the majority of your time is like doing photography where 
I think nowadays a lot of programs um, are moving toward a different model like you know our program is definitely more multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary where students are doing a little bit of everything yeah. and I think that's not just a shift in how students want to uh, learn art but it's also a shift in how artists are operating in the professional world so you know I think this day and age a lot of artists they want to do a little bit of everything maybe a little bit more concept driven and you know they find the best means and materials to do whatever supports that idea right right yeah um speaking of professional professionalism in the first episode i was talking with um stag about professional practices and i told her it was more specific for seniors as they as they about to leave uh-huh. so i felt it would be more beneficial to have maybe for freshmen or sophomores as they come in so they get like a sense already they maybe build right. up their resume at the beginning, so the next by the time they come into their senior year, they already know what um, start work, what they start to work on, and what they work on when they leave. Right. Um, and I know you are a professor for professional practice. You feel like it should be not only for just senior, set for seniors, but also for freshmen as well. Yeah, I mean, I think like there is like you know uh, definitely a reason to do it all the time and be you know aware of why you're going to school and how that kind of is a piece of the puzzle for when you become a, a professional artist, you know. But I, my personal opinion is it's never too early to start showing your work. Yeah. Um, I think kind of the fear of, like, what people are going to think or getting used to communicating with people who are showing your work, like curators or different spaces, mm-hmm. um, that's a skill that takes a long time to kind of hone. So it's good to start it right away, you know? So I, I think it is important to start it right away. And I also think, um, I mean, my opinion is that um, even students' work, there's a lot of value in that work, even if it's not, you know, maybe um, as refined or as finished as maybe people have gone to grad school or been out of school for a long time or whatever. It's still important, right? right? So I think that... Um, um, the more that students see that what they make, even though it it's still rough around the edges, mm. there's value in what they're doing and what they're doing is important, then I think it's a little bit less scary to think about the idea to show people that, you know, and share it with people. So, yeah. No, so it's just pretty, pretty much just get out there and just show yourself. Yeah, you want to show your stuff. You want to look at what, how other people are showing their stuff. Yeah. And I would say... Mainly, I would say, like in a nutshell, be part of the community, the art community, and not just the art community at your school, but the greater art community in Los Angeles, wherever you have access to. You know, if yeah. if, if you have the means to get on an airplane and fly to another country, and you can go see artwork there, and you can grow a community there when you're student, by all means do it. But if you don't have those means, you know, and hopping on the bus and going down to downtown LA and going seeing shows at yeah. like the Benedict's building or something like that you know yeah. then that's what you should be doing because yeah. I don't know the word professionalism I think it's a little bit tricky when it comes to art because I think um, being out in the world a lot about professionalism is just being present and being present should be fun yeah so, you know, I think a lot of students, they're just, like, trained to be students. Like, 
be a good student, work hard, always be at school, you know, yeah. follow the directions, but I'm always like, where's the party at, you know, <laughs> like, you guys should be partying, you guys should be being crazy artists, you know, yeah. like, so out in the world. It shouldn't always be folks, like, don't always focus on work, at least have some room for, like, play. What I'm saying is, like, play is work. Okay. And that's, that's the game you want to be in, right, because... Who wants to go to work every day if it's not fun? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I wouldn't say this is fun, but you're very social media driven because I'm like because um, obviously I follow you on Instagram. Oh, thank and you. If you. Thank and you. <laughs> and uh, and from there, I'm also from you. I'm also following other artists on Instagram. That also helps me see where shows they're on their opening at as well. Um, you think it's important now more than ever for artists to actually use social media as a tool as opposed to just the brick and mortar going out there on the pavement just like hey I'm gonna be here just it's better to use social media I think I think for the bulk of artists yes you know I'm always surprised when somebody tells me they're an artist but they don't have an Instagram it's a little bit weird to me but that's the world I live in because you know the world I live in is like even though both of my parents went to art school, you know, my parents can't introduce me to curators, you know. I didn't grow up around famous artists, right. you know. So the level of access, you know, that I have, if I don't have social media, is, like, limited to where I could physically be. And when you're, like, hustling to make a living for your family and find time to make art, it's hard to be present at all those places physically. Yeah. So that's one of the really cool things about social media is you can be you can be present without physically being present. <laughs> yeah. Being present without physically being present, that's you still technically being physically present cuz you actually physically showing yourself there. Basically, you're there showing your stuff with your thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean the visibility is insane, you know, like I have friends who have like, you know, 60,000 Instagram followers and because they have that much visibility on Instagram, you know, they can sell their work direct to the consumer, you know, right. they direct to c collectors, you know, they don't have to have to follow the old model where they have to have an art dealer as the, in the, mi the middle person, right. you know, so it works for certain people, other people you know they have access to collectors they have access to uh, curators and things without having social media so they don't need it okay. you know so but I would say the bulk of people don't right so right. the bulk of people would probably benefit from using it yeah. right. um, as a hypothetical question though do yeah. you see social media not damaging um, social media damaging artists like say YouTube stars getting acting roles based on their follower count and galleries maybe one day looking at oh this artist have this x amount of number of people let's get them into the gallery and get them just a one person show you see you may see that actually happening it is happening already you know I've oh, really? oh yeah I, I literally have had conversations with art dealers who've been around LA um, owning galleries and selling art to collectors for uh, multiple decades who've told me oh I have this specific artist on my roster because she has 
37,000 Instagram followers and um, they want to access that um, that level of visibility you know the gallery you know so I mean I think as artists we always think like oh we would be lucky to have this or that opportunity to show our work but you know when you're working with a a gallery or a curator it's really a partnership and when you're in a partnership with somebody uh, that's healthy the partnership goes both ways you know like the artist provides uh, resources that the gallery doesn't have and the gallery provides resources the artist doesn't have so like if one of the resources the gallery doesn't have is 37,000 Instagram followers then then yeah you know Um, but but maybe the gallery provides to the artist two high-level collectors that don't use Instagram yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a relationship, right? It is a relationship. It's just I find that kind of weird where in social media is judging like what's popular and what's not as opposed to what's actually what's work-driven that's getting out there. I'm pretty sure the work is showing it for himself, but it's like, oh, you're sort of um, internet famously put you out there. Right, right. But I, still find, I still find that kind of weird. I always like had that film, hard film belief of hard work we get you somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think a balance of both is really helpful because um, you can have 37,000 Instagram followers and most of them are people who don't buy art or people who don't participate physically in the art world. Um, may not be as beneficial, you know, as having 2,000 Instagram followers and 1,500 of those Instagram followers are active participants in the art community. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a balance, you know, and my personal experience has been I've, especially in the past three to four years, have been interacting professionally with a lot of people on Instagram, curators, dealers, other artists, you know. Um, it's a way for them to access your work and access like your ideas and see where your head's at you know without having to physically come to your studio and in a city like this where everyone's always busy yeah you know yeah (laughs) it's a it's a big advantage yeah so we're gonna bank this for the professional practices class next semester okay yeah (laughs) yeah don't sit in traffic get on instagram yeah (laughs) um now as a professor like i said you're still very active in the community what is another thing about artists that annoys you? And I'd like you to be honest about this one. Oh, annoys me. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you can be uh, totally honest. This is probably because we have to be totally honest with the world. Oh, yeah. Um, something that really annoys me. You can direct it towards students so they'll know one day, like, okay, not to do this. Or you can direct it to other artists. You don't even have to name them. Just something just like it's just like a like a quirk or a pet peeve that's like that just something that you notice is just like why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Probably I mean, obviously like this honesty is probably the thing that makes me most upset. Um and it's not um it's not that people I think people, you know, make mistakes and they um say not nice things sometimes. That's totally fine. I think yeah. you know that's human nature. But I think um, when people like are actively trying to deceive you, I think that's really messed up. You know, like yeah. that's. I think that really bothers me. 
you know and some examples of that would be like you know um, somebody kind of leading you on that they want to work with you on something or they want to sell your work or they want to do this or that but they they definitely know when they ask you that they're just they don't really they really can't do that you yeah. know they're just kind of went in their skill set and so it's like why did you ask me yeah kind of and then you end up wasting a lot of time you know um whereas if i think people are more upfront and they're just like i have this idea you know i don't really have the the resources or i haven't laid the groundwork for it yet but like i want to talk to you about it like cool you know right yeah yeah, I've, I've been I've been through most of that before. Yeah, and yeah, it's not fun, especially when you get when you actually have something going on. Let's say like a podcast, uh-huh. and you're sitting there, you're waiting for them, and then you go like, "Oh, I can't do it," and right. you're hinging everything for that specific person to be there. Right. So it was like, I am never working with you after that. Yeah, probably like now since you said you know you mentioned that story, probably one thing that really bothers me is when people tell me that um they kind of like imply that i have more time than they have (laughs) and that 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 kind of bothers me you know yeah i I heard that before too yeah um i've what i've noticed as um seeing your art fishing and well pretty much bash fishing has been bleeding into your your artwork and i will like post your art when we have everything up and running um where did that draw from? Like you wanted to really like put what you know, what you love into your art. Yeah, well, you know, m- my paintings they're um, paintings of water and places where there are, there's water normally, um, and the reason why is for a slew of reasons that have to do with access to public space and conservation and um, those types of things but um, it all definitely starts from like I love fishing mm-hmm. and I was, growing up in the city I've always like tried to find places to go fishing you know so when I'm out there hopping fences and <laughs> looking for <laughs> looking for places to fish um, have you been arrested <laughs> uh, I haven't been arrested thank goodness but um, I have had helicopters follow me before which is <laughs> exciting but probably not smart um, no, yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but back to fishing. Yeah, um, so so I take photographs when I'm fishing, and then um, I document those spaces, and I think a lot about um, why those spaces look the way they look, and also why people have access or don't have access to those spaces mm-hmm. um, when I'm fishing, and so um, that has always like really fed into like how I make paintings. Right. So like when I'm deciding on, you know, formal elements of my work, like the shapes or the color, um, also at the same time I'm thinking about those social topics, right? Um, so um, I did take a little hiatus from fishing, like five years when I had my son, I decided I was gonna stop, right. for, you know, like, cold turkey just stop everything fishing um, That's <laughs> <laughs> um, which was kind of crazy because I mean it was such a huge part of my life like 
I would go several times a week since I was a little kid. Um, but um, uh, when I started again, I uh, when he was like five, I realized like how important it was for me, you know, like how important it was for my work, but also um, it's good to have a hobby. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in this city, they work so hard and take so much to to be successful but you know they end up not doing it the pleasurable things in life and like I said I want my work to be fun yeah so you know for me fishing is fun and it's also uh, an element of why I make work so I'm always trying to bring all the worlds together you know like I like teaching I like fishing I like riding bikes you know I like hanging out with my friends, meeting new people, I like traveling, and I like being in my studio by myself making paintings, and I also like, you know, helping people, so it's always like, that's a long list, <laughs> Yeah. so if I partition my worlds, that's just not going to happen, you know, but if it's all kind of integrated together somehow, then maybe I can do all those things, so yeah. it's always like trying to figure that out, yeah. navigating that. Okay, so the final question for you. What profession, other than the one you're already currently doing right now, would you like to attempt? Wait, wait, say that again? What profession, other than what you're doing now, would you like to attempt? Oh, well, that's really easy. Professional fishing guide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if, if I was, like, really, if I, like, grew up really rich... I'll probably not be sitting here with you right now. I'll be probably on, you know, the Bassmaster Classics, you know, like on my Ranger Bass boat, you know, uh, or I would be like in Alaska, you know, um, guiding people to fish really can, huge, you know, you know rainbow trout, you know, but... Um, I can definitely see that. Yeah, so maybe maybe when I retire... No, that's know, not for like a super long time. No, I'll like be a fishing guide and I'll be an artist, like seasonally. Yeah, that's if uh, global warming don't hit Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> don't crush my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and with that, that is the final episode of the of this season of the DH Hills. God damn, I did it again. Dominguez Hills Off the Wall Podcast. Um, thank you for having me. I have a behind this episode Thanks for having me. And we will have a season two. This is going to be a seasonal-based podcast. And once again, thank you, and peace.